Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Praise God. All right. You ready to hear a word from God today? Amen. All right. A disclaimer before we get into the message today. It's going to be about 15 minutes before I get to my title. So I'm going to need you to be patient. Uh, Today's message is a a slow burn. It's a slow burn. We're going to get there. Uh, When I teach preaching to the students here at our leadership college, I tell them that as a preacher, what we need to do in the beginning is establish the problem because most people who are coming to church are not coming because to see you. They're coming because they're going through things. They've got issues in their life. And so I want to do that. I want to establish the problem. But before I can establish the problem, I must establish the premise. I need to teach you some things about the way God works in our lives. And then I'm going to highlight an issue in the way that God works in our lives. And so give me some time uh, to get there. I I promise it'll it'll benefit you. And so uh, like a train, the premise today is going to run on two rails. And here is rail one, found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter one, verses six through seven. If you have a Bible, you can turn there and read it. If not, it'll be on the screen behind me and you can read along. Deuteronomy one, six through seven. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you have stayed at this mountain long enough It is time to break camp and move on. Tell somebody next to you, move on. Verse seven, go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the Western Hills, the Negev and the coastal plain. Verse seven, go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. Verse eight is where it starts to really get exciting. Look, I am giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it. Tell your other neighbor, tell them, occupy it. For it is the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to all their descendants. Now, to give you some BTS, some behind the scenes, some background information, at the time that Moses is giving these instructions and God is speaking, it has been two years since the salvation of the Israelites from the nation of Egypt as slaves which they were serving as slaves for 430 years. And in these years, now the two years in the desert, in the wilderness, worship has been established. The law has been given. They've been tested. They fought wars. They've won wars. This was a season of preparation. Somebody say preparation. It's important that you know, though, that every season of preparation is a predecessor to a season of occupation. When God prepares you for something, he is actually setting you up to take on something. It's important that we say that because most of us, when we come to church, we come to God so that he can save us from something. Amen. We're going through something at home, going through something in our life. And so it's no coincidence that the number one demographic of people who come to church or come back to church, this is a proven fact in America, are young families who just have kids. Because if anybody knows, they need help. Right? But when you come to God for him to save you from something, you are delighted to discover that he did not just save you from, but he also saved you for. 
Come on, that, that he didn't just rescue you, but prepared you to take on and occupy new territory and new land in your life. God has saved you for something amazing. And so I need to pause here and inform some who are going to hear it for the first time and remind others who have forgotten that God has a place for you. He's got a great place for you. To all my renters who are waiting on the interest rates to drop. God's got a house for you. God's got a house for you. To all my single people waiting on your boo, God has got a boo for you. He's got a boo for you. To all of my teenagers looking where you belong to find your tribe, your team, God has got your community and your family for you. To all the churches meeting in former highlight buildings and university high school auditoriums, God's got a building for you. Amen. Somebody, somebody say it out loud. Say, God's got it. God's got it. He doesn't just have a place for you. God's got provision for you. The place that they were going was going to be a land of milk and honey. To all my college students looking for a way to pay off tuition, God's got a scholarship for you. To all my families living paycheck to paycheck, God's got a raise and increase for you. To my business leaders looking for the funding to expand their operations, God's got the investors for you. Somebody say, God's got it. God's got it. God's got peace for you. When the promised land, when they were going to go in, it was going to be surrounded by mountains and walls and gates, which means no more running, no more hiding. Finally, security. They were going to achieve it. To all the marriages that are here in church today and who have been arguing and wrestling, it feels like nonstop for years, God's finally got restoration for you. To all of my men wrestling with a particular weakness, God has got rest for you. To all of my women wrestling with comparison or insecurity, God God has got a level of security and confidence for you. Someone say, God's got it. God's got a place for you, a provision for you, a peace for you, and God's got a purpose for you. The nation that was forming was going to be so blessed that they were going to brag on God and people were going to look at them and God's reputation was going to come from <coughs> all the amazing things that <coughs> God was doing in their life. So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say all of my athletes, my bloggers, my podcasters, God's got a platform for you. To all of my retirees living on your social security and your 401ks, God's got a next chapter for you where you're going to be making a difference in people's lives. To all of my creatives, my artists, my CEOs, God's got more influence for you. To all of my stay-at-home moms who are changing diapers, that's an amazing calling. I just want you to know when those kids grow up and leave the house, God's got another calling for you and another chapter for you and another purpose for you. Somebody say, God's got it. That's the first rail of this premise that God has got it. There's just one wrinkle with this premise, and that is that there is a big difference between God's got it and I got it. God's got it. Amen. It's theirs. It's just not theirs yet. In fact, the scripture that I just read you, if you just move one chapter up, just one chapter up, Deuteronomy chapter two, verse one, then we turned around and headed back across the wilderness toward the Red Sea, just as the Lord had instructed me. And we wandered around in this region of Mount Seir for a long time. Verse two through three. Then at last, the Lord said to me, you have been wandering around in this hill country long enough. Turn to the north. Somebody say deja vu. Didn't we just read them wandering and then get in direction? Is this the same passage in the next chapter? No. These are actually two different points in history. One happening, and then the one that we read in chapter one, and then the one in chapter two happening 38 years after. 
Because in the first one, they made a mistake at a place called Kadesh. They doubted the power of God and they doubted that God could deliver them. And so as a result of their choices, now their destiny has become delayed. 38 years delayed. I wonder if there's anybody in the room who can relate to a delayed destiny. Maybe you made some choices. Maybe you made some decisions and it's pushed the timeline back on some things. And you're at a place in your life that you didn't think you would be. You said, I do. You have no idea how I do turned into I'm done. You got adult children in your life and y'all were so close and they were all, mommy, mommy. Now you haven't spoken in two years. They don't come over for the holidays anymore. What happened? Are the choices that I made, have they, have they forever set apart God's plan from my life? Let me encourage you. I said it was a delayed destiny, not a dead one. Not a denied one, not a done one, delayed destiny. There's a big difference between dead and delayed. I'm so grateful for my GPS that when I miss my exit, it doesn't go whelp. <laughs> Guess we're going to Atlanta then, huh? You missed it, too bad. No, I'm grateful that my GPS shouts back at me, rerouting. I want you to know we've got a rerouting God who's able to set the timeline and who's able to give new directions to get you back to the place that you originally had planned. My wife was at Goodwill the other day, <coughs> where she goes, and she bought this hat for three dollars. Three dollars. She then looked it up on StockX.com, which I think is the place, I don't know. This hat was how much? $150. A $3 hat, $150 at Goodwill. Do you know what Goodwill is? Goodwill isn't even a place where you sell things to. It's a place where you throw things away. Whoever dropped this hat off made a bad decision. But their decision did not alter the true value of this product. Mm. You want to know why? Because their decision was not greater than its design. I'm trying to tell you today, you might have made some bad decisions, but you can't out-decide, you can't out-decide your design. God's got a plan for your life, and it's a great plan for your life. So if you feel like you've been on the clearance rack at Goodwill for a couple years, let me remind you, you still vintage, you still luxury, you still got value, you still got worth. His design is greater than your decision. Amen? Amen. And, and, and so that's this one rail that God has got this thing for you. Even if it's delayed, even if you've made some mistakes, God's got this thing for you. Here's the other rail of this premise and then we'll get to the problem. And this other rail is so cool. And it's this, that even though they were in the desert for 40 years and did not have all that God promised them, they still thrived on all that God provided them. Huh? Like, like they didn't get it all. Like they didn't have all the place, but they had a place. For 40 years, they had what they had never had before. If you think about it, a community, a society. They had tribes, they had laws, they had structure, they had temple, they had freedom. They never had that before. They didn't have the milk and the honey, but for 40 years, you know what they had? Manna and quail. That's a good place to say amen if you know the backstory. Do you know what manna is? Maybe not, because it's not around no more. Manna is bread that rained down from heaven. Bread rain. brain. I mean, so for 40 years, bre 
bread raining from heaven, quail coming. They didn't have mountains, walls, and gates, but for 40 years, the Bible says that they were guided by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. You want to talk about feeling protected? How about God literally having your back? Literally having your front. They didn't have a kingdom to share the glory of God and the blessings with, but when they got to the first city that they were going to conquer, Jericho, the Bible says that the inhabitants of Jericho said, we heard about what your God did 40 years ago in Egypt and about how he held you in the desert, and we are all afraid because we know now that your God is the God of all gods. How about that? While they were in the desert, God was lifting up their reputation. While they were in the desert, God was lifting up their name. I'm trying to tell you, here are all the rails, ready? I don't have yet everything that I want, but somehow I've got everything that I need. This is the premise we got to begin our preaching on right here. Deuteronomy 2.7, this is where it begins. Because the Lord your God, this is God talking to the people, has blessed you in everything you have done. He's watched your every step through this great wilderness. During these 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you and you have lacked, say that word with me, nothing. <clears throat> everything they have, God has given them. And now they're on their way to receiving everything that God has for them. Tell your neighbor, I'm on my way. Come on now, say it like you believe it. Tell them, I'm on my way. <clears throat> I don't have everything I want. I got everything I need, but I am on my way. Amen. That's the premise. So what's the problem? Here's the problem. That while they're on their way to their land, they have to pass through everybody else's land. Deuteronomy chapter 2, 4. We're getting closer to the title. We're getting closer. Deuteronomy 2, 4. Give these orders to the people. You will pass through the country belonging to your relatives, the Edomites, the descendants of Esau who live in Seir. Verse five, don't contend with them, for I have given them all the hill country around Mount Seir as their property, and I will not give you even one square foot of their land. Tell your neighbor, tell them that's not for you. Tell them that's not meant for you. Can you imagine how dis like discouraging that might have been for them? 40 years in the desert, and the first time you see good land, God goes, nope. That's actually not yours. Keep it going. But Lord, I've been waiting. Lord, I've been faithful. Lord, I've been here. Nope, that's actually not yours. That's not meant for you. Keep going. All right, fine. We'll be obedient. Verse 8. So we bypassed the territory of our relatives, the descendants of Esau who lived in Seir. Verse 8 and 9. Then as we turned north along the desert route through Moab, the Lord warned us, don't contend with the Moabites, the descendants of Lot, or start a war with them. You mean I can't have that either? I have given them our as their property, and I will not give you any of their land. Tell your other neighbors, tell them that's not meant for you. All right, well, how about the next one? Verse 18 and 19. Today you will cross the border of Moab at Ar and enter the land of the Ammonites, the descendants of Lot, but don't contend with or start a war with them. I've given the land of Ammon to them as their property, and I will not give you any of their land. Tell the person behind you, tell them that's not meant for you. Verse 24. On your feet now. Get moving. Cross the brook, Arnon. Look, here's Sihon, the Amorite king of Heshbon and his land. This is it. I'm handing it over to you. It's all yours. I gave you the premise. Now, here's the problem. You have it, and you're on your way to having it all. But while you're on your way to having it all, you have to walk past people who already seem like they have it all. You ready for the title? You ready? I want to talk to you today on the topic, 
content with what's meant for me. Ooh, it's going to be a good message. Content with what's meant for me. I'm talking to all my single ladies who've been single for five years. God's got your man. He is on the way. The only problem is you have been a bridesmaid 10 times in the last three years. And you are watching everybody get theirs, walking past everybody else's land, everybody else got through. Yours is on the way, but you're still waiting. I'm talking to all of my, someone said chacho, that's funny. I'm, I'm talking to, to the couples who've been married, listen, 10 years and still you're childless. And God's got your baby and your baby's on the way. The only problem is in the last year, you've been to eight baby showers and 13 gender reveals. And if you see one more pink or blue cupcake, you will slap somebody. I'm talking to all my 30-year-olds who believe that their career is on the way, but while you're on your way to your career, your social media feed is full of 20-year-olds trying to teach you how to make six figures. I'm talking to the people who've got special needs children, and, and you know what? Your special needs child is, they're on the way, they're improving, but nobody else's seven-year-old has to wrestle with being verbal or nonverbal. Nobody else's child has to wrestle with making friends. Nobody else's kids can't not play in sports talking to the person who's wrestling with their health right now, and, and yet it's improving, and you're on your way, but no one else your age wrestles with the issues that you wrestle with physically. Talking to the person who's got a, a decent job, it's okay, but you look at some of the vacations other people be taking, what do you do for a living? Because I need to stop doing what I'm doing, and I need to do what you're doing, because you seem like you already have it all. There's only two choices when you find yourself in that place in life, in between what you need on your way to what God has, while you see everyone else just chilling on their property, blessed, protected, peaceful, when's mine coming? Listen, you can either be content with what's meant for you or covet what's meant for someone else. But if you choose to covet what's meant for someone else, listen, even what you do have, will never be enough. <clears throat> Even when you arrive at the promise, because you did not learn how to be content in the process, even the promise you will compare to other people's promise. It'll never be enough. So what are we going to do? We're going to learn how to be content with what's meant for us. And the way we're going to do that is looking at Deuteronomy 1 and 2. Whenever you want to study the Bible, one of the things you want to do is look for passages of Scripture or not passages of Scripture. What I meant to say was phrases, collections of words that are used over and over again throughout the chapter. And in chapters one and two, we actually have three phrases, three collections of two words that are said over and over. I highlighted some of them to try and get your attention onto them. And I think in each one of those is a step towards finding true contentment with wherever you are in life, with whatever you have. The first step, according to the scriptures, and we saw a couple times, we heard God say, get moving. Tell your neighbor, tell him, get moving. Get moving, get moving. Don't stare at them the ones who got it all. Don't stop and look at those that got it all. Don't get jealous. Don't get comfortable. Hear me, get moving. So what if they've arrived? The joy is not in arriving. I've learned this. The joy is in the journey. The joy is in the moving. 
I know this doesn't sound great because no one likes moving. We got to offer free pizza to get people to help us move because we don't like moving. Nobody likes moving. Moving is the worst. I moved a lot in my life. I moved from New York to Tampa, from Tampa to South Carolina, from South Carolina back to Tampa, from Tampa to Gainesville, and from Gainesville to Orlando, and then sprinkle a little bit in there, Costa Rica, Texas. And the only one I was excited about was Gainesville to Orlando. No shade on Gainesville. And yes, shout out to Orlando. <clears throat> but it wasn't because Orlando was so awesome or Gainesville was so bad. It was because it took me five moves to understand that the joy is not in the arrival, but the moving. Five moves to realize, hey, I bet, I bet the journey here is going to be great because as I look back on my life, the journey has always been joyful. Always. Even when I moved from New York to Tampa, that was really tough. My parents moved me halfway through my junior year of high school when I had been in school with the same friends since second grade. And then they moved me from Staten Island, New York to Brandon, Florida, which if you've ever been to Brandon, Florida, it's like not Staten Island, New York. I showed up with my Timberland boots and my size 38 jeans and my black and red Chicago 2-3 Jordan jersey. Yeah, and my blowout. And, I, and all of the people that were at school were in flip-flops, shorts, and tank tops. And I did not fit in. And the move was tough. But being torn away from all of my friends, I look back now at that season. That was the season of my life where I got saved-saved. You know what I'm saying? When I get saved-saved, it's not theologically accurate. But if you grew up in church, you know what I mean. Because if you grow up in church, you get saved like 35 times. But then one day, huh? You get saved-saved. Like, that's the last time I got saved. I know it. I'm not going back. I'm done. <laughs> I look back at that season of my life now, and, and it, it was so tough when I was going through it, but I look back a bit. It was fun being in love with Jesus like that. It was so good. And then I moved from, from Tampa to South Carolina to go to Bible school to become an ordained minister at the age of 19, 20 years old. And for three years while I was studying, I, I was single. And before you give me props, it was not a choice. No, for three years, nobody wanted me. For three years, I was looking, I was available. I was just not desirable <laughs> for three years. All right? Because I was saved, saved. That's right. And, but, but let me tell you what, in those three years when I didn't have a person to absorb that love, it was amazing how in love I fell with Jesus, with God, with ministry, with church. I look back at that season now, it was tough, but man, those were some of the most joyful times of my life. And then I graduated Bible college, got my first ministry job at an internship making, ooh, $500 a month. Ooh, yeah. Let's go. Yes, I was living at home, but it was awesome. It was great. At the time, it was tough, especially at that same time was where I met Liz and we started talking. And so let me tell you something about taking that girl out on $500 a month. It was... It's not easy, okay? It's not easy, but there was joy. Remember those dates that we would go on? It was amazing, man. We had such a great time. I'm trying to tell you, I can zoom out throughout. I'm running out of time. The point is, when I was in it, the move was never fun. 
But now I look back and some of the greatest times of my life, I'm just trying to encourage you to zoom out a little bit. If you're not there yet, I don't know where you're trying to go, but the joy is not going to come when you get there. The joy is right here, right now. It's the journey. It's the move. It's the walk. Zane turned 10 years old this past Wednesday, my son, and we had a great time. We took him out to Universal Studios. And, and I remember when my wife was not pregnant, I said, I can't wait for, him, for her to get pregnant. And then when he was in the belly, I can't wait for him to come out of the belly. And then the first diaper I changed, I can't wait for him to get out of diapers. And then I can't wait for him to start walking. And I can't wait for him to start talking. And then one day he started talking back. And all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute. Was the best days back then? When they were just, mama, dad, dad, I love you. Was that the best days? Am I missing it now? No, today's the best day. Right here, right now, the journey. If you want to be content with what's meant, you got to learn how to enjoy the journey. Listen, you don't got to get in shape, but if you want to get in shape, here's the secret. You can't fall in love with the six pack. You got to fall in love with the squat rack. Because if you try to fall in love with the six pack, you are just one cruise away from destroying any advancements on your aesthetics that you thought you made. But when you fall in love with the process, when you fall in love with the routine, with the sweat, with the work, it's something about being in love with the journey. When you have kids, I talked about it, it's about enjoying the moment. If you're starting a business, don't be like, oh, I'm going to enjoy it when I hit the Fortune 500 list. No. We were the fastest growing church on a list last year, the fastest growing church in the state of Florida. That didn't give me peace. That gave me pressure pressure because now you got to keep up and now you got to be what happens if you go from number one to number 30 everybody's like what happened like he had bronchitis for two weeks and nobody else came back <laughs> nobody came back <clears throat> no you know what I had to do to get my mind out of that unhealthy space I had to remind myself that the joy of being a pastor is not having a big church the joy is getting up and praying the joy is sitting down with people the joy is preaching your heart out every Sunday the joy is getting to know Jesus more and more and if you make the journey the joy you're gonna find peace you'll be content Here's the second thing we see all throughout Deuteronomy chapter one and two. Don't just get moving. Multiple times you saw God tell the people of God, don't contend. Don't contend. It must have been tempting to fight. It must have been tempting to war, to take what was someone else's, to criticize, to desire what was someone else's, but it wasn't theirs. To contend means to compete, to compare, or to compromise. Ooh, I want to pause right there on compromise. How does content mean to compromise? Because you'll want what someone else has so bad, you'll actually become more of them trying to get what they have in exchange for being less of you. But that's not yours. I wrote it like this. You can't be content and be contending at the same time. Tell your neighbor, tell them that's not yours. All right, this is going to get tough. Do I have permission to be tough today? I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. But you need to hear it. Okay, look, that's not your gifting. Stop wishing you could sing like them. You can't. <laughs> but they're so good. If I could only don't. I wish I could throw a ball like them. That's not yours. 
I wish I could lead like them, play the guitar like them. I wish I could be good with money like them and multiply businesses. <coughs> That's not your gifting. And if you spend too much time desiring other people's gifts, where will you find the time to develop your own? You got gifts. You might not be a singer, but you are an author. And God has anointed you with that pen and that keyboard. And if you lean into those things that God has given you, he could use you. If you lean into your gift and stop wanting other people's land, it's not yours. Hey, let me help you. That's not your capacity. Well, she could do a nine to five and a side hustle and make lunch for the kids and go to the gym five days a week. Well, good for her. Good for her. I'm not her. And she ain't me. Listen, the tortoise doesn't beat the hare by trying to be the hare. The tortoise beats the hare by being itself. You need to run your race at your pace and run life at your pace. And <clears throat> better to have one hand in peace than two hands with, with toil and trouble, the Bible says. <coughs> Next one's going to really hurt. But you need to hear it. That's not your gifting. That's not your capacity. Here's the next one. That's not your person. It didn't work out. Cool. You know what that means? That person belonged to someone else. Now let them go to who they belong to because they don't belong to you. Stop desiring other people's land. You married? Watch your eyes. Watch your mind. And while we're at it, watch your mouth. I wish she was more like her, her, his wife. I wish he was more like her husband. That's not your husband. That's her husband. And you could probably appreciate your husband and your wife more if you spent less time comparing them and more time complimenting them and speaking life into them and enjoying and appreciating the person God gave you. God gave you that person. Well, that person's loud. Well, maybe God thought you needed somebody loud. That's your person. If you came here to church with somebody, you better get close. You're my person. I'm glad you're my person. Sometimes you bother me, but you're my person. If you're single, God's got this. God's got this. God's got this. Hear me finally. Listen, that's not your dream. Yachts, private jets, millionaire. You know why the American dream is so disappointing for all of the people who do end up attaining it? Because when they attain it, they realize it was America's dream, never theirs. Who said you had to be rich? Who said you had to be famous? I got to be careful in this church world because this church world can get weird sometimes because we got some pastors that have churches of 10,000 people and campuses all over the city and all over the state and all over the country and all over the world. And if I'm not careful, I can allow someone else's accomplishments to become my dream. And one day I had to just realize, I go, I don't know that that's my dream. If that's what God has for Journey Church, praise the Lord. But because I'm more invested in the journey than the destination, can I share with you my dream? Here's my dream. Being married to the same woman for the rest of my life, if God allows it. That's my dream. Here's my dream. I got two boys. 
is seeing both of them in heaven when I get there. That's my dream. That's my dream. Here's my dream. Pastoring Journey Church for 35 years, making Jesus accessible to anyone. And if it grows, awesome. If it's just us 35 years from now, celebrating Journey turns 35. That's the dream. Just being faithful, just being committed, just being on this ride. That's the dream. <coughs> Here's my last point. And this is something that we see in the two chapters a lot. And, and in, the, in the scriptures, God kept saying, turn north, turn north, turn north. But you know, I got a little hood in my background. And so I, I translated it. I translated it a little bit because whenever you see the word turn in the Bible, it's very important. You got to stop because turn is often connected to repentance, to a turning away from sin and a turning towards God and turning on a new perspective and a new focus. So, so the Bible kept saying, turn north. But I thought something that could really help you today was not turn north, but a turn up. I think if you want to be content with what's meant for you, the last thing you got to do is you got to turn up. I'm going to go from the Old Testament to the New Testament here really quickly because, you know, the, the, the people that they kept walking past had everything that the people of Israel didn't have. But the people of Israel had the one thing that none of them had. A personal relationship with God. That's what they had that no one else had. And I think God was looking at them and saying, stop looking at what everyone else has, even if you don't have it because you got me and ain't nobody got me. You got me. I'm all yours. You're all mine. Turn up. Philippians chapter 4. You can't preach about contentment and not preach Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, whether driving a Tesla or a Toyota, whether driving a Fiat or a bicycle. I've learned. Here is the secret, church. Verse 13, I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. Now, this is inspirational when you hear it, but it's funny if you have the context because Paul has just received the financial offering from the church at Philippi, one that he's been waiting on for a while, but they got busy. They forgot to send it. And so finally they send it to Paul, who's in prison, by the way. He finally gets the offering and he writes back to them. This is hilarious. He writes back and he goes, thanks for your gift. Appreciate it. Didn't need it. Nah, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm glad you sent it. I just want you to know I didn't need it because I was good before you sent it. Because I figured out the secret of being good when it ain't good. I've learned the secret of being content despite my content. I, I learned it. And, and, and the way I learned it was, you taught me I couldn't count on getting it from you. And I know I can't always get it from life. So I'm going to get it from God because he's the only one I can count on. He's the only one I can turn to, to get what I need so that I don't need it from you. Are you with me? I get it. I get it from God. So I'm good. I'm good. I remember when Pastor Liz and I went to go buy a house for the first time. 
And I don't know if it was because we look really young. I mean, we still look young, girl. But I mean, <clears throat> we look like teenagers going to buy a house back then. And, and everybody who looked at us, I don't know if it was because we looked young or because we looked too Puerto Rican, but everybody that we, we went into some of these houses and some of these nice neighborhoods and the people wouldn't even like look at us. Like they would just kind of like open house and they'll talk to everybody else. Almost like, can you afford this? Can you not afford it? You guys look kind of young. This might be a little out of your price range. I'm like, I wouldn't be here if I didn't know that I could afford this. And I wanted to fight and I wanted to argue and I wanted to yell and I wanted to get into it with them, but I didn't need to because I had in my back pocket something that I had just received from Bank of America. It's called a pre-approval letter. Somebody with authority, somebody with power, somebody with unlimited resources looked at me and said, you already have what you need. You already got it. I want you to know I have evaluated your life and you are pre-approved to get what you need. And so when I walked into that house, it didn't matter if they looked at me funny. It didn't matter if they respected me or not. Because when I walked in, I walked in pre-approved. I walked in with a stamp on my chest. I walked in with a paper in my pocket. I'm glad you clapped. Thank you for clapping. You have no idea how good it feels for a preacher to say something and then you clap. Makes us feel like you hear us. Makes you feel like you're listening. Makes you feel like you appreciate all the hard work that we put in. I'm thankful for it. Thank you for clapping. I just need you to know <laughs> that while I'm grateful and while I appreciate it, I didn't need it because I was approved before you clapped. I was approved before you applauded. I was stamped before you stood up. When he died on the cross and I received him in my life, I was already approved. I was already anointed. I don't need your praise. I don't need your shout. I don't need your retweet. I don't need your subscription. I don't need your like. He is everything that I need and he's already clapping. When I got ready this morning, he said, I'm proud of you. When I opened up my iPad. He said, I'm proud of you. When I got the courage to grab this microphone, he said, I'm proud. I appreciate your praise, but I don't need it. I'm pre-approved. Everything I need, I got from God. Come on, somebody who knows it. I appreciate it, but I don't need it. I'm grateful for it, but I got it. I'm good. I already get it from Jesus. Stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. If you're not standing, I want you to stand. Listen, why it's important. Hear me. When you go over someone's house and you're not sure about their culinary abilities, you know what you do? You pre-eat. On your way there, if you're not sure if it's gonna be good or not, on your way there, you make a quick stop at Mickey D's. You get the burger, you get the fries, you get the cup of water, and you walk in just so, hey, if the food's good, amen. But if it's not good, I ate before I came. This is why it's important to come to church full. So no matter who preaches, whether he's in person or whether he's on a screen, I ate before I came. I, I appreciate that Bible verse.
verse you shared, Pastor JJ, but I got my own verses. And, and, and worship team, I love that song, but I got my own hallelujah. I know what to say to my soul when it can't lift up it. I can lift my own hands. I can jump on my own feet. I can praise God myself. I got it before I got here. I ate before I came. I ate before I came. I, I came to church full. I came to church blessed. I, this will help you. This will help you if you're dating somebody and you're worried if the first date is going to work or not. You want to get rid of those nerves on the first date? Here's how you know. Remind yourself, hey, if this works out, great, because you cute. And I would like it. I think our kids would be good looking. I just need you to know, though, if it doesn't work out, I was loved before you got here. I was full before you got here. To all of my wants to be expecting mothers, I feel your pain. Liz and I went through our own infertility journey for many years. Just remind yourself, I don't need the baby in me to be fulfilled because the day I gave my life to Jesus, something moved in. And I was filled before that baby got here. I'm filled. I'm already filled. I'm already filled. Every head bowed, every eye closed in this room today. You already got it. You already got it. You already got it. You already got it. Come on, tap into it. You already got it. You already got it. Stop looking at your neighbor's God. Stop looking at your neighbor's land. That's not meant for you. You already got it. Every You are on your way to everything God has for you, but on the meantime, you've already got everything you need. Get moving. Don't contend and turn up. Turn up. Turn up. God, I'm giving my focus on you today. Come on, church. Pray that. I'm putting my eyes on you today. I've already got it in you. You already good. You're already blessing me. You're already filling me. I turn my eyes to you. Come on, find your contentment in Jesus today. Find your contentment in Jesus today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for everybody in the room today who's turning their eyes on you. For an East Campus, they're turning their eyes on you. Online, turning their eyes on you, Lord. Forgive us for getting distracted by our neighbor's property and our neighbor's lot. That's not mine. I don't want it. I want everything you have for me. So I'm going to keep walking past. I'm going to keep walking by trusting, Lord. I'm content because I got you. I got you. I got you. Amen. Listen, if you're in the room today, I have a special prayer or you're watching today. I've got a special prayer for you. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You're far from God. You will never find contentment outside of him. And so today, if you are in the room, if you're watching, it's time to turn up. It's time to turn to Jesus and give him everything that you've got. Give him all your life, all your heart. Let him fill you. Let him change you. Let him transform you. And be content with the relationship that is Christianity, the relationship that is salvation. If you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you're ready to make a turn. You're ready to make a turn. You're ready to make a turn. Stop wandering in the wilderness. You're ready to make a turn. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your right hand high to the sky as a signal and a sign. Jesus, I need you in my life. All over this room, on three, if that's you, I need you, Jesus. I want you to raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. One, two, one, two, three. Raise your right hand now if you're ready. Way to go, man. Way to go, ma'am. Way to go, sir. Way to go, young man. Appreciate you, sir. Awesome. I see it. I see it. I see it. 
You can put your hand down. Whether you raise your hand or not, everyone say these words out loud with me. Father God, I'm turning to you. Take my life. Help me love you more than I've ever loved anyone ever in my life. I'm ready to turn from my old ways and turn to you, Jesus. Today I start my new life fresh. I love you. I am content with you. Mm, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, put a hand clap together for all those. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.